6, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Speak under the title Heart and Passion this morning. Can you say that with me? Thank you. Heart and Passion. Heart and Passion. <clears throat> it's amazing, you know, you, you kind of follow the Lord and you prepare something, and I'll probably get to what I want to share this morning. I just felt in that time of worship, God speaking to me and just downloading some stuff that I wanted to just share with you. As briefly as I can before we turn to anything else. Okay, so you probably found it already. I need to find it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says this We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. What he says, that's God, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. Another translation says, in the day of favor, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the day of God's favor. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The word behold means to look intently. Don't just casually glance. Look intently into what God is saying. Now is the day of His favor. Now is the day of His grace. Now is the day of His salvation, which is the day of His wholeness. Does anybody believe that? Now is the day. Not in five years' time, not 25 years ago when God moved in a certain way. Now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of God's favor. The great thing about now, it never stops being now, is it? Now is the day of God's favor. Turn to somebody and say, now is the day of God's favor. Turn to somebody else and say, God's favor is on my life. See, I believe one thing that God wants us to <clears throat> move away from in our Christian life is working for his favor. I believe God wants us to move away from that. Instead of working for his favor, we work for him from his favor. There's a big difference, isn't there? And I really believe that if we understand the heart of God to, to the degree that he wants us to, we'll see that we are highly favored and deeply loved by him. Do you believe that? You are highly favored of God and you are deeply, deeply loved by Him. And the work we do comes from that place, not from a place of trying to get God's attention or God's approval. We are favored. The amazing thing about favor when I read the scripture is some people were favored, but life didn't go hunky dory for them. Look at Joseph. Joseph was favored of God. Jesus was favored of God. Oh, he had some amazing, they had some amazing moments, didn't they? But they had a lot of persecution as well. Sometimes when we talk about favor and grace, we forget that if, we, if the church starts to get hold of the fact that it's God's day of favor, even Jesus said it, didn't he? He said that part of his ministry, when he came, he opened up that scripture to Isaiah 61, he said, now is the day of the Lord's favor. 
day when the famous of God profusely abound. Then they try to kill him. You know, there's something, there's a residue from the fall in human beings that want to do it all themselves and achieve themselves. Where with God, it's God's already done it, God's already achieved it, and we enjoy working with Him to bring that about to the earth. That's grace and favor, isn't it? And this scripture is such a powerful scripture. Paul saying to a church that moved in spiritual gifts, they were great performers, they were great people who had lots of gifts and lots of ideas, but they also had a lot of immorality in the church. In the midst of all the addresses to the church in Corinth, he says, Now is the day of God's favor. Don't receive the grace of God in vain, don't miss the moment of opportunity. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity for the days of evil. You look at the construct of that phrase, make the most of every opportunity. I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again because I like it. You get the idea that Paul is saying, I want you as the church to be the Lord of time and time lords, like Dr. Who, the good ones. I want you to make the most of every opportunity. Time you have is precious, and in that time we can decide whether we see release the favor of God into our lives and other people's lives, or we can squander that time. It's our choice, isn't it? I want to just rewind back in the Old Testament to where this particular scripture that Paul quotes come from. Remember, he says that God has said, "In the time of my favor, I will avert you." In the day of salvation. I have helped you. So rewind back to Isaiah 49 with me. Isaiah 49. And we find the scripture in verse 8 that Paul quotes. You see, the best interpretation of the Old Testament is the New Testament. Interpretation of the New Testament of the Old Testament is the New Testament. So we see this verse here. Thus says the Lord, an acceptable time or a time of favor, I have heard you in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And now he goes on to describe what that looks like. This day of salvation. So let's let's read on. Verse 8. I will preserve you and, give you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate inheritances. So in this time of favor, God is saying there's a job for his people to do. Not just enjoy the grace and enjoy the favor. But from that place of favor and that place of grace, he's looking for a heart and a passion to share his interests. To share his interests. And his interest is in restoring the earth. Restoring the earth starts with restoring humanity. Restoring hearts, restoring lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
through our love for others, as we've received love for us, we can love others. So there's a, a, a mandate on us in this day of God's favour to have a heart and passion to restore the earth, to be a, a people of covenant, to be a, a covenant for the people out there. What does covenant mean? It means promise. So that people can look at the church out there and think, wow, I would like to live like that. I would like to think like that. I would like to have a relationship with Jesus like they do. I would like to know God like they do. But in the church, people find because the church starts to live in such favor of relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The people out there, and there's just, have you ever been somewhere or you're talking to somebody, there's just something about you? I'm sure it's happened to many of you. There's just something different about you. It's not your cologne, or your perfume, there's something different about you. You know, the grace of God is on you. Every single one of you, the grace of God is on you, the favor of God is on your life. And He wants us to develop a heart and passion. To share his interest, to be those that restore the earth, to be those that are promised, are promising to other people of what God can do in their lives. Verse 9, it says in Isaiah 49, verse 9, then you may say to the prisoners, Go forth, and to those who are in darkness, be free. There's a sense that this favor received, this gift of the Holy Spirit we receive this place of enjoying His presence we've received on the inside of us, when He came to live on the inside of us. It's not just there for us, is it? It's there to set the captives free. In fact, we continue the simple ministry of Jesus into the earth, which is to bind the brokenhearted, bring release to those who are captive, and declare the year of the Lord's favor. That's our service. That's our mission. That's our ministry. I don't like that word so much, but you know what I mean? It's our service, isn't it? He goes on in verse 9. He says, They shall feed along the roads. He's talking about the people of God in this time of favor. They shall feed along the roads. The NIV translation says, They will feed in the ways. The word way in Hebrew there, or roads as it's translated here, it paints a picture. You know, so many words that we have in English in our Old Testament, they paint pictures from the Hebrew. And this picture, this word paints, ways, it's, it's, it's talking about this phrase, that they will feed in the ways of God, or they will feed on the roads. It's talking about us fellowshipping, fellowshipping intimately with God and ruling by association. There's so much in this particular phrase. If you look at that, that word, that word ways there, it talks about the mode of action. It talks about the attitude of the heart. It talks about the mindset. It talks about the direction of life in that one word. And it's saying that in the day of God's favor, there's going to be a, a, a church of full of lies that their attitude is the same as Christ Jesus. Their mode of action, the way they operate, is like God operating. 
the, the, the way they do things, the way they think, is, is just like Jesus would think. The way they speak is, is the way Jesus would speak. Their heart and their passion is completely aligned with the heart and passion of Jesus. Powerful. And, and then why will this happen? Because there will be a people who find their sustenance and their rest and their green pasture in fellowship and intimacy and relationship with fathers and mothers. So in that one line you've got all that picture. So all these great promises that the prophet Isaiah prophesies about in the day of God's favor, they're awesome, aren't they? Now listen to how Isaiah prophesies that the people will respond. Listen to this. Let's go to verse 14. But Zion said, Zion is the people of God, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has forsaken me. So after all these promises are given, after all this fanfare about the grace of God and the day of God's favor, you are to be a people of promise, the response of people is I feel the Lord's forgotten. In the moment I'm here, I, I, I feel the Lord is far away. I wish it was like it used to be. I wish there was a move of God. It's a strange phrase, that, isn't it? You know, every time, I mean, I know God doesn't have a physical body, but a move of God. That means that there's a move of God. A move of God. What does that mean? I believe, since Jesus rose from the dead and poured out the Holy Spirit, there's potential for a move of God every day. Well, there's times of refreshing. Well, there's specific seasons that God is sovereign to. There's times of refreshing. But, but listen to that scripture in Acts 3. It says, if you change the way you think, repent, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. So who starts those times of refreshing? Is it an appointed time and a season of God's sovereignty? No, it's just changing the way we think towards God. But it is a God that we have favor with because of what Jesus has done, and therefore we can live in a continual season of God's So the response of the people is their heart and their passion. Their passion is more dejection than passion, and their heart is broken. They say, I feel like God's forgotten. Where is God? Where are the miracles? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? Where, where, where is the, the sense of the tangible presence of God? Oh, it happens in Timbuktu and Kilimanjaro and all these other places, and it's great to hear about that. But why can't it happen in Yorkshire? Praise God. We're all going to see it more and more as we come into the day of God's favor, as we enjoy living from a place of favor. And listen to God's response. This is the heart of the Father's response to his people. What a beautiful response. He doesn't reprimand them. How dare you say I forgot you? He doesn't do anything like that. He says this. Can a woman forget her nursing child? This is verse 15. And not have compassion on the son of the woman. Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See. 
I will inscribe you with the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. What a beautiful response from the heart of God. You may feel I've forgotten. You may feel I've not been there for you. But never once have you ever walked alone. The song is singing the Even if a mother forgets the baby that she nurses, even a mother can do that. But I have a closer relationship with you than that as my children. I, I carry you, not just for nine months, but I carry you in me always. That's what Father says to me. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hand. When did that happen? It happened on the cross, didn't it? wounds that he received. It says that for the joy set before him, he enjoyed the cross. What joy? Inscribing your name on his hands because he wanted to bring you into life and favor so you could restore the earth with working in heaven. This is not high in the sky. This is God's purpose and God's plan and God's desire for you and me. And if you've been if you go through the motions or if you feel like nothing seems to be happening, I just want to reassure you this morning that it is the day of God's favor. God absolutely loves you. He adores you. He wants you to experience the power of the age to come in your life, in your family's life, for the people in this city. He wants you to enjoy what it is be a Christian again, Christ follower. He wants you to enjoy it. Regardless of the pressures, regardless of the tough circumstances that come, you're not denying those things. He wants you to enjoy the relationship with him and enjoy his favor. He wants to heal you up on the inside. And give you hope again. To start to dream again. To start to imagine how God can use you and Use this community to see the city touched in an amazing way. Everybody say amen. amen. Yes. Or no. Whatever you want. Would you tell me another scripture, please? It's in Isaiah as well. It's Isaiah 62. So God is looking for a heart that responds. You know, even though the people in that scripture they responded with a dejected heart, at least they responded. You know, they didn't ignore God, did they? They said, God, you know, sometimes God, God is looking for a response. Because when there's a response, at least there's a care, isn't there? Sometimes we're kind of self-condemnatory, if that's a phrase or a word. We kind of think, well, unless we respond to God in exactly a certain way, then we're not accepted. But you're accepted regardless of the way you respond. I just want a response and he wants to change the heart. And as well as heart, I believe that God wants to give us a fresh passion. He wants us to have a fresh passion, not just for our own relationship with him, but for that which he cares about, sharing his interests. Can I suggest to you that Jesus is passionate about his bride? God is passionate about the church. He's passionate about the church. 
He is passionate about the truth. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I love my wife very much. And if somebody said something against my wife, I would not be very happy. And yet so often we have this tendency, even as Christians, to not have a church. Whether it's a, well, you know, in that particular group, they don't do it the way we do it. So what? Or in this, in this particular group, you know, they, they, they do this and we do that, and they have this and we have that. It's not them and us. We are the church. And Jesus loves his bride. And in this scripture, I believe in Isaiah 62, this is the voice of Jesus speaking. Isaiah 61 talks about his mission. Isaiah 62 talks about the church he will build. He says this in verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and has salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the passion of Jesus for his bride to come forth. I'll not sleep until this happens. I'll not rest until this happens. It connects back to the last verse we read from Isaiah 49, when God responds to his people, remember Jesus is God, and he responds to people and says, your walls are ever before me. Literally that means, you are ever spoken of in my presence. I'm always thinking of your protection, and I'm speaking your oneness into then a few chapters later, you hear this voice of Jesus. Can you imagine this scripture being in his heart as he's on the earth, setting the captives free, casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick, discipling the early church in the form of 12 people? Wow. 12. You know, sometimes if we involved in a quote unquote small local expression, we can get into comparison and look at big churches and that's a strange statement, you know what I mean? And think, oh my word, what are they doing that we're not doing? For me, that is irrelevant to God. Let them get on with what they're doing, bless them with what they're doing, but we must do and you must do what God has called you to do. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, as he's going around, doing the works of God, moving in compassion. I can imagine him just having in the back of his mind or in his own prayer, when he took time in a solitary place to pray, pray to think, for Zion's sake, I'm not going to keep silent. No matter what persecution comes, no matter who stands against me, no matter who comes against this message of grace, I am going to continue in this time I have, this opportunity that Father's given me, I'm going to continue regardless of the opposition, it says that he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. You know, he endured the cross. He was still under the favor of God when he endured the cross. But I've got 
Because I live from favor. I don't try not to get favor. I live from favor. And I've seen his plan. I've seen his purpose. And I want to be in on it in my generation. I believe that God is looking for heart. And he's looking for passion. And God can give us. Can I say this to you? If you feel devoid of heart and passion. God can give you heart and passion. God can renew your vision, renew your hope, re-energize you by your spirit. It's all from God, isn't it? So not to try and work it up in our own strength. Amen. But I, but I want us to, to, to grasp that if we are to be co-laborers in the end with him in this favor, we must be those that desire to share his interests. And he's saying, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent until this people are established as a praise of the whole earth until this people are established in wholeness and life to such a degree that it affects nations and changes nations. That's what God is looking for in his people. That is something to help us get up in the morning. We're not just part of a local church. We're not just those that attend meetings. We're not just those that go to home groups or whatever you call them, life groups. We, every time we meet together, it's another opportunity to restore. It's another opportunity to bring life. It's another opportunity to share life as we go from this place. This place is a place of training. When you meet in homes, it's a place of training. And when you go from those places, it's to dispense the life of God. The Bible describes Jesus as our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The Bible describes us as priests of God. We are priests in that same order. The Bible says that Jesus, as a priest of the order of Melchizedek, came to dispense indestructible life. You and I are here to dispense indestructible life to those around us. That's what we're here. That's what we're here. I'm not trying to work you up. I'm just sharing you what the scripture says. It's true, isn't it? And it gets me excited. Come on now. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to share a little bit because Mark shared with me that there's been a prophecy over this church about Antioch, about being an Antioch church. So I wanted to share something just to close on that. Is that okay? Can you take a few more minutes? I want to say just before I do that, the hallmarks of Antioch are heart and passion. Heart and passion. Passionate people that express themselves practically to those around them. And I want to say in Antioch there were ministries of Christ working in and from Antioch. In Ephesians 4, it talks about ministries of Christ preparing God's people for works of service. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, preparing God's people for works of service. Do you know that phrase, works of service? It can also be translated this. That these ministries are there to prepare God's people to exercise their authority in the earth. Not just service on a Sunday, but exercising authority in the earth. His authority is not based on feeling control, it's based on love. To exercise a different kind of authority on the earth, based on the love and compassion of the Father. 
That's part of the training of these ministries. They were also in Antioch. And they were there to bring a heart for passion. These people, along with the church, shared God's interests. Shared Jesus' interests. It says about Jesus, zeal for the house of God consumed him. He was zealous. He was passionate for the house of God. So much so that he didn't please people. He didn't impulsively either get angry. He deliberately, over time, put together a whip as he was watching what was going on in God's house. When all these, these people were selling their goods and selling their wares in the very vicinity that was a place where the nations could go and encounter God. And the people were stopping the nations coming by selling their wares and selling their ideas and whatever in that place. And he just got rid of them all. Kicked them out. And it says the passion and zeal for, my, for the house of God did it. My father's house will be a house of prayer. What does that mean? A place where people can encounter God. Yes. And you are a house of God. A place where people can encounter God. We are a house of God. A place where people can encounter God. Forgive me, this is one, not one of those sermons of three points and very simple, but I just, I'm just, I'm just downloading to you. I have to do with a high five right now. So I can pick something that you can say a Bluetooth high five. I learned that the other day. Acts 11, let's just turn there. Just to close, Acts 11. Verse 19. Now those who were scattered, verse 19, those who were scattered after the persecution arose over Stephen, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word. Some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed in terms of the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch, where when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all, that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people ran to the Lord. So God started to do something in this place. It was God ordained, it was organic. And these guys came and they didn't try and manage it or organize it organically, but they put some kind of structure on which would help the flow of life. They set leaders in place. They, they said, this is good what God is doing. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to look at the negative, but you know, there's some good things happening in your community. There's some good things happening in your community here, amen? some good things happening in the church of this nation. Antioch was a multinational church. It was people from every different place. The scripture goes on and we haven't got time to turn to it, but it talks about Antioch being a word and spirit centered church. A place where angelic visitations were common. A place where the, the word of prophecy was not despised but was received. A place where the spiritual gifts moved but there was a purpose in them, and the purpose was mission, restoring the earth, 
moving in the favor of God for others, not just for ourselves. They were open to the Spirit. They were a giving community. They, as you've done this morning, you've given outside of yourself. They were a giving community. They were a sending church. They were a womb of ministry. They were a place where it was exciting to be. You know, if you and I carry our heart and passion, living in the grace of God, we are exciting people to be around. We are exciting people to be around. Amen? We're exciting people to be I just believe that if, if we're going to have this love and passion that God wants us to have, there has to be a change of culture. The change of culture starts with our hearts, but there are some specific things I want to touch on just to close right now and say this, number one, the first cultural change I believe that we need if we're going to be a, a church that exemplifies heart and passion is in our service, we need to move from a Martha kind of service to a Stephen kind of service. Martha served the Lord and she did well, but she forgot that a service had to come out of a relationship and it was better to be the master's feet first. Nothing wrong with the serving. But Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was somebody that wanted to serve and do things, but his priority was the presence of God. And out of that his service came to the point where even in his service on tables, he had this amazing sign, sideline and miracle signs and wonders going on. God wants us to change our mentality. It's a privilege to serve. But don't serve in your own strength. Don't serve to get noticed. Serve by the Spirit and serve because of the love of God. Second change. We have to move from a head knowledge culture to a heart knowledge, to a heart culture. What do I mean by that? Sometimes when we've been Christians in a while, we can get into Christian professionalism. Now I'm a Christian, I'm a professional Christian, I have a badge, I know what it is to be a Christian, I know the Bible, I know what is a good meeting or what is not a good meeting, I know everything about worship, I know everything about singing, I know everything about preaching, I have my paddle from stripping gum dancing, and preaching gets a note or a walk or a seven, if you're very good. We have this sometimes Christian professionalism that comes in. But God wants us to be free from that. We are not here to be critics who sit on seats. We are here to participate in the divine and bringing the restoration of all things. Third cultural change. We're going to move, I believe, to from a consumer to being consumed. From I didn't get anything out of that to what can I put into it? Amen. I know many of you do this. I'm preaching to the converted, I know. But I'm hoping I'm encouraging you as well. So often it's easy to just simply slip into that consumer mentality. Well, I didn't get anything out of worship this morning. Yeah, but what did you put into it? Yeah. I didn't get anything out of that homebrew that night. Yeah, but what did you, it says each one has. What, what did you come with? From the Lord to bless everybody else. Amen? Moving from consumer to being consumed with His love. 
Two more now, I promise I'll finish. Forgive me for preaching license. Cultural change four. I did it my way, so I'll do it God's way. I did it my way, so I'll do it God's way. It's easy to say, I'm doing it God's way, when really we just slap on God's way. I believe God wants us to build the cards of the pattern we receive from Him. Whether it's building in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our neighborhoods, as you go into this next big as a church, how you build there needs to be on the pattern of heaven. Amen. Not somebody else's pattern, but the pattern that God gives you to reach that community. Amen. And last one, cultural change five. Very, very important to be those who move from prayerlessness to being full of prayer. But we are the ground force, but we require prayer, we require that interaction with God and with the heavens to bring about the air force down to go out. I tell you the one thing that every one of us can do, and I'll be doing it as well, as you move and transition to your new phase, will be praying. We pray that the enemy doesn't get an opportunity to divide and conquer. We pray that we can go ahead and we pray for the right premises. I'll be praying that you get the vision that the leadership has here and that you guys have together will become into fruition in that place. I'll be praying that many of you have creative ideas how to reach into different areas and different people groups in that area like never before because I believe prayer is so important. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.